0: Lock
1: Talk Radio. You solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you will take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations! You're now members of
2: the
3: 114th.
0: Throughout history, in times of crisis and tragedy, American people look to leaders for one thing: leadership. Americans don't want to hear excuses. We don't want to hear self-congratulations. We want to hear scapegoating. It's a very simple concept. We want our leaders to lead. The aftermath of Sunday shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida, a place of celebration for the LGBT community, Donald Trump proved that he is a terrible leader, as he's a terrible businessman. Trump proved that he's not the person to lead our nation through difficult times, or in fact, any time. Trump failed the most important of tests of presidential candidate: How to respond in a crisis when our citizens are under attack? How do you respond? Donald Trump failed that test. Trump proved he's not the person to lead our nation for a crisis. He is not commander in chief material. Underlined, underscored. Yesterday, I'm sorry. But So it doesn't matter what the problem has been. Trump has failed. Trump isn't the person who want to have his finger on the nuclear button, because he's clearly incapable of that responsibility. That's just not me saying it. Even the junior son from Florida has questioned whether Trump can be trusted with such an enormous obligation. The fact that Donald Trump can't be trusted with the nuclear codes hasn't stopped Senator Rubio or many other Republicans from endorsing Trump for the highest office in the land. There's absolutely no question, none. Donald Trump is not capable enough or experienced enough. It's high-level responsibility.
1: Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And if you're wondering who that was speaking, we're talking about really the Honorable Senator Harry Reid, And I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, this is a legend that leaves Congress after this year. And I'll tell you, he's made a huge impact in our nation's capital and around the United States. Folks, hang on. AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill kicks off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, William Williams. And the entire AJC Radio team tonight, as we have taken some moments, and uh, I'll tell you what, we've highlighted some legends here on AJC Radio, Spotlight on Capitol Hill, and tonight is no exception in dealing with Senator Harry Reid, and I'll tell you right now, we are saddened by him, uh, his decision to leave the Congress. Uh, You're going to hear some information from him, you're going to hear him speaking about very difficult Uh, issues that America faces right now, I can tell you it's assured to be a humdinger, as we call it here, on Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And Lisa, our disclaimer for our
4: listeners, please. Yes, we'd like to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide legal advice. You'll want to contact your personal legal advisor for all of your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC Radio. And as always, we want to thank you for tuning in and spending just a little of your evening with us.
1: And thank you for that, Lisa. And, William, as we were talking earlier uh, in regards to Senator Reid, has been in Congress since 1983. Uh, And I'll tell you what, uh, he's done a huge amount of things, which our listeners are going to hear from tonight. Uh, William, your thoughts as we get ready to get into this spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday?
2: I tell you, he's done a lot of work uh, to help help us as a country and help motivate and move uh, policies and procedures that need to be put in place. That's a lot of years and it is going to be sad to watch him leave.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, uh, uh, very uh, instrumental in the uh, affordable healthcare uh, act uh, passed by president Obama. Uh, and my understanding, based upon the research we've done, he was the one that actually pulled it over the finish line uh, and was able to work really uh, cohesively, if you will, with President Obama, uh, other members of Congress to get this done. Uh, he may sound soft-spoken, ladies and gentlemen, but I'll tell you what, uh, he's just an, a, an, an average old uh, country boy, if you will, really not from the country, but uh, down there in Nevada, but was raised very with humble beginnings, started with humble beginnings, uh, and really just uh, an everyday person that wanted to do something, Uh, and to make a difference uh, in America and uh, for the people of Nevada. And uh, I'll tell you what, he's lived up to that reputation. We're going to get into all of that here shortly. If you want to call in and be a part of the conversation, feel free to dial in to 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. And again, we ask if you can uh, to please uh, uh, call your friends, all those who are our normal listeners here, Gather some folks around, folks, because I'll tell you what, as we approach a very uh, uh, serious election year with huge consequences and ramifications uh, that will follow, it is important uh, that we get out to vote. And I'll tell you what, Nevada got it right with uh, Senator Reid, and we need to get it right this election as well, whether it be in the House, the Senate, and of course, uh, ultimately for the presidency of the United States. Cliff, as we talk more about... uh, senator reed uh what he is doing what he is committed to he seems to really get involved in regards uh to the middle class and to do things to make life a little bit better uh you know those that are not in the rich bracket if you will but really trying to help the middle class to help the poor to do those things to raise people up Uh, that's a message at least right now in this time of the election year is critical that that message get out to the american people
5: yes i mean he came from uh you know minimal beginnings uh grew up you know in a, a hard working blue collar family and um you know the, the thing about senator reed is that you know he's he's known for crossing the aisle i mean uh you know even senator orrin hatch from uh, he's a republican from from utah and uh he has said that we all respect senator reed he's one of the moderate voices around here who tries to get things to work so you know he he understands the uh, quote-unquote little man—he knows how to uh, reach across the aisle to ensure that everything is done for the American people, and that's what it's all about. Uh, and uh, Senator Harry Reid—you uh, know, the Parade Magazine, the nation's largest weekly magazine—identify him as a handful of leaders in Washington with integrity and guts. It takes a lot to get that type of, uh,
1: you know, homage
5: from from uh, Parade Magazine. Well, it tells you that, but it tells you Senator Hatch again,
1: been in, been in Congress. Uh, we highlighted him on this program. Republican. Uh, But I'll tell you what, when you're doing the do, if you will, and you're doing what needs to be done, doesn't matter what side of the aisle that you may be on, uh, you get the respect of your colleagues. We talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, And that's important. When you've been in Congress that long, uh, you've learned a skill, if you will. You have that born skill to be able to uh, communicate and to make things happen, whether you agree or disagree. uh, You need a voice there that speaks and raises the issues. Uh, What I've found out with Senator Reid is that when he is talking, he definitely makes you want to stop and listen because he is talking very seriously uh, about the things that has happened. Uh, And again, we're going to get into all of that here shortly uh, as we get ready to shine the spotlight on uh, Senator Reid. I'll tell you what, he does not mix his words in any way. Uh, If he has an issue, uh, he's going to speak to it. When there's a tragedy in this country, uh, he's going to speak to that. And uh, we're going to get into that. Folks, on the other side of this break, we're coming back with the Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday as we get ready to shine the light, as I said, on a legend. What's his name? Senator Harry Reid, making an impact in our nation's capital. We'll be right back. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that You and I experienced some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work. And at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff? But he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice, and for all big brothers across the land.
0: Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year Incarcerating people, alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation, costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fear justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help.
1: Ladies and gentlemen of America, we extend a special invitation to you to join AJC Radio and our programming every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. We will be addressing issues that definitely shape a nation and affect America's future. We will also be dealing with members of Congress, shining the spotlight on our initiative called Spotlight on Capitol Hill. You don't want to miss it, folks. Every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time, AJC Radio makes a difference across the nation and we'll see you then.
3: Me. I've been getting mixed messages about women and violence. I need a little clarification. Uncle Bill, how am I supposed to grow up to respect women when I have such lousy role models?
0: Boys are never going to approach you.
3: Can you help me reshape my attitude towards women?
6: You need to teach them that violence against women is wrong. I wanted to be in the military since I was a, since I was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force.
3: I served a total of 16 years.
6: I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle.
4: And
3: at 19
5: years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die.
4: Coming back, I was raging.
2: I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless.
3: I guess I never recognized it in myself.
2: Eventually one day I just walked into the VA
6: hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. You
5: gotta find that link with somebody, it'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out.
6: It's for the guys who couldn't come back. So you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families.
3: And
1: welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen. The spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And right now, we're coming live from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And if you're wondering if the seasons have started to change, uh, make no mistake about it: 69 degrees today and cloudy here in Colorado Springs. Nation's Capitol, 88. Some clouds, some sun, some mixture of a variety of temperatures as we approach the fall of the year. And do you believe it? Holidays around the corner. Unbelievable. And tonight uh, we get ready to shine the light again on a very special individual who we've been talking about briefly at the introduction of this show. And that's Senator Harry Reid out of Nevada. And I'll tell you right now, uh, William, uh, we're anxious to get started on him. Uh, And uh, You know, what I found out doing my research is that a lot of people speak very, very well of Senator Reid. His years of service, as, as Cliff alluded to earlier, even those across the aisle have to respect and uh, take a look uh, at exactly what he's doing uh, in our nation's capital that has affected this country uh, in a culture. Uh, when you've been in Congress that long doing the things that Senator Reid has done, uh, I'll tell you what, he's part of the answer and the foundation, if you will, of creating that culture here in America. That's true.
2: That's true. I mean, any man that
1: has sat that
0: long,
2: and it worked that hard and has built that reputation to, for reaching across the aisles. I mean, he understands what needs to be done. He understands that the greater good is serving our country and serving the citizens of our country. In doing so, he has to put aside some of the some of the things that may be important uh, or maybe things of emphasis for those in Nevada to understand what is the greater good for all of us as a country. So he has to reach across the aisles. He has to reach across to his counterparts and say listen we got to get this done this impacts the people and uh, and that's that's something that really builds a longevity and builds a reputation for our has built a reputation for for Senator Harry Reid and uh, he's going to be truly missed I, I I mean you can't you can't it's going to be a big void in Washington
1: well, that is, void. Well, and that's why it's important is uh, the trailblazers if you will that set the path for those upcoming. Up and coming, rather, to our nation's uh, capital, to Congress, uh, whether it's the House or the Senate. It's important that these examples and these role models, if you will, of true uh, leadership uh, definitely take hold on those uh, in the upcoming uh, election and what lies ahead for the future of America. It's uh, here that he is, uh, since he came to the Senate, Senator Reid, in 1986. Uh, Senator Reid has fought tirelessly to make Nevada an even better place to live by promoting economic development. Investing in infrastructure working to address the foreclosure crisis investing in clean energy development fighting the proposed yuca mountain nuclear waste dump delivering quality affordable health care protecting social security and ensuring the readiness of our military and as a result of surges in the state's population over the last decade scenery is using his leadership position to continue to meet Nevada's unique needs as you know. Nevada has grown tremendously over the years. And definitely to, uh, to Senator Reid, I'm talking about, a, I mean, uh, Nevada's always changing, definitely down there in Las Vegas. And I'll tell you what, to be able to keep people in that type of structure and to work and be connected to a one of the, I would say, I, I believe the number one tourist locations in the United States being Las Vegas, uh, that speaks volumes, Cliff, to his leadership. Uh, in, re- in reigning in what needs to be important and still uh, being able to implement integrity in all that he's doing.
5: Absolutely. I mean, you, when you have to look at uh, Harry Reid, you know, just from, from, from every aspect and, you know, not only, um, you know, Senator Hatch has spoken well of him being a Republican, you also have the uh, former Republican Senate leader, Trent Lott. He said that Harry Reid is out there finding a solution. And uh, he, he said that I enjoy working with him very much. So it's not just about him being a part of the Senate. It's not just about him uh, being there occupying a chair. When you have members on the other side of the aisle that says, you know what, he's somebody who's out there looking for a solution, making things happen. That is what makes you a viable part of the uh, of the political system. Anybody can, you know, get voted in, talk a bunch of rhetoric, have people vote them in. And then occupy a seat, but uh, in in Senator Reed's, uh case, you know, from from 1983 until now, uh, you know, being able to get things done, and not not just us saying it, but and not just Democrats, those of his party, but Republicans saying he is one of the few that are out there finding a solution. That speaks volumes to who he is as a person. Well, I tell you what, we're giving accolades tonight here at AJC
1: Radio. We're going to hear a little bit was a guest speaker at the DNC this year. Uh, Let's hear a little bit about what folks had to say about Senator Harry Reid.
0: In the depths of the financial recession in 2008, markets are still crashing. No one knows what's going to happen. I got a call at home in the evening, and this man, very soft-spoken man, said, Harry Reid, to
3: which my first response was, oh.
6: He is often criticized for being very blunt. I appreciate that. He didn't like it that I never shined my shoes. He'd slip me $20 bills. He said, here, here's $20, because he knew I was cheap. Go shine your shoes.
4: Anyone who's ever had a phone call with Harry Reid knows that at some point you'll be talking to yourself. that he's long gone. He said, Harry Reid, I want you to come to Washington and try to put some accountability
3: in what's happening in this bailout of the big banks. And it totally changed my life. He's relentless, uh, relentless
0: adjective that comes to mind when you say Harry Reid, a uh, fighter. Well, yeah, I have some uh, proud fights, uh, uh, real fights. Some of those I'm proud of. I remember the first person I knocked out. And then the other fights I've not been with my fists.
3: Senator Harry Reid is telling Republicans to back off of Social Security.
0: Today's vote said that if you want to discriminate, it has no place in America. What he did with President Obama is to bring the Affordable Care Act across the finish line. He did it with barely no votes to spare. All this stuff with health care, I think of my mom and my dad. My mom was not being able to go to a doctor, uh, my brother breaking his leg, laying on the bed for a days writhing in pain. My mother had no teeth. Um, as she got older, she had a few teeth and pretty soon they were gone.
6: With great courage. He has
1: stood up to the powers that be. Uh, and taken on the big money interests that have so much influence in this country.
0: Well, Harry has always joined with me on the
4: barricade to make sure that we were fighting for, particularly, the economic empowerment of women. He is a master
0: legislator. To see him operating is to see a master at work. The one thing I did that I'm always proud of the first time no, I got money. I worked all oh, one summer um, in a service station. I bought my mother some tea. If I do nothing else in my life, I got my mother some tea.
4: He's made me proud a lot of times. I, you know, on a personal level, it's the way that he interacts with our children and the kind of father.
6: But Harry Reid has taught our caucus and taught me we family.
4: Millions
5: of people are better off for the work we did. Harry, we've had a good one.
6: You and I. We fought the good fight, and we did it together.
0: You have to stand up, even if you think you're not going to win, if you think something's right.
1: Well, there you have it. Uh, another wow moment here at AJC Radio. Uh, Senator Reid uh, gives the not only the impression, but this is who he is. Uh, talking about he had to work hard. His love for his mother, uh, sacrifices, of course, again, didn't come up an easy way. Uh, Senator Reid said, and I think what stood out to me in that clip when he makes the statement, uh, you have to stand up for what is right. You have to fight if you believe it to be right. Uh, We're lacking that in this country, and I believe that is the reason why we face the challenges that we face. Uh, Senator Reid makes it very clear And the people speaking of him, uh, fighting for Social Security for our seniors, fighting for uh, things that are a lasting impact in the lives of Americans, Uh, whether it's your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your uncle. And I said earlier, this is a culture that has been created, and we don't find the passion, if you will, a lot of the times, uh, given the age age in which we live in this country right now. And to hear that, I believe it to be refreshing. William, your thoughts on that information uh, that you just heard?
2: Well, I tell you, um, you couldn't help but just sit there and just say, you know, and be in awe of his colleagues, regardless of their affiliation, to be all the accolades and, and, and things they said about him. Like you, you know, I was really taken back from the fact that he never lost sense of where he came from. You know, he never lost sense that he grew up in a small town in Nevada, and his family came from, you know, very meager means. And and you know, he realizes that most of the people are like that. They're dealing with, you know, uh, economic uh, problems. They're dealing with, you know, right. certain lack. And so he he's he's fighting for that. That's why he, you know the Affordable Health Care Act. He he fought for that. He you know, and he's 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 going back to his own childhood, his own memories, thinking about his mother and father and his brother. You know, with a broken leg, he, he's going back to those memories and saying, you know what, if we would have had it, you know, what, how our life would have been different, how it would have changed our
1: lives. No, absolutely. And uh, Senator Reid born in a small mining town of Searchlight, Nevada, uh, there in the desert, more than an hour away from the bright lights of Las Vegas is where he was born and raised. Uh, Searchlight is where Senator Reid watched his father work as a hard rock miner. It's where he attended school with one teacher for eight grades, and it's where he learned Nevada values like hard work, opportunity, and independence. Senator Reid is the Democratic leader in the United States Senate and someone that has earned respect of colleagues, as we said earlier, from both parties, a powerful advocate for Nevada families. Every day, Senator Reid puts his leadership position to work to deliver meaningful results for all Nevadians, and I'd say all Americans across the United States, his decisions are, are hugely impacted. Uh, and I'll tell you what, he has developed a reputation as a consensus builder and a skillful legislator. Uh, that is something that you're probably, you can't learn that in a classroom, but it comes, as you said, William, from the integrity, from the from the way he was raised. The hard work, looking—I mean, his dad—that's—that's not—that's no easy work there, no. as a rock miner doing what, seeing the things that he saw as an example from his father, and instilling that not only in Nevadans but also the American people. As he is the uh, uh, Democratic leader of the Democratic Party, uh, Cliff, when you hear that, uh, I'll tell you what—it takes us again back down this road. That a little hard knocks doesn't make it to it's not really a bad thing all the time for people to really relate to their constituents and of course ultimately
5: the American people. That's right. He has, uh, you know, been he was born, has been raised, and understands that uh, it takes hard work to get things done, and that with hard work you can accomplish anything. And it shows in his in his legislation in this decision-making process and in the way that he works with the uh with the other side of the house is if we come together if we work to uh you know make a better way for every american if we work together i mean if you think about what his father did as as being a rock miner and, and um you know they, a lot of times senator reed would go in with his father and see the hard work and join in with it and understand that you know pounding on a rock with a pickaxe or a sledgehammer the first time you hit it it doesn't necessarily break but you come to the realization that if you keep pounding on it if you keep at it that uh, you know it will you will get it get it accomplished and that's what he's done with legislation like you said with the uh, with the affordable care act it took a lot of doing it and i mean he's been there since the 80s since the first time anybody has complained about health care in America and tried to to build and you know create something beyond social security, something beyond Medicare to say, you know, this is what we need. There's so many Americans without and like like you said earlier, Will, you know, seeing uh, his parents, his his brother with a broken leg, like you know, how how do we pay for this? What do we do? He has come to the conclusion and it, it shows in the decisions that he's made and what he's done in Congress that if we work together we can get this done and it, it all boils down to and comes from the way that he was raised and uh and, and that's what i mean you see it in everything that he does in all of his legislation that he puts his heart into it he puts everything into it says we can work together and we can get something accomplished.
1: well without question and uh i think when you have a senator or a congressman that has been down the rough road uh, states here that uh senator uh reed was born in a small rural mining town He grew up in a small cabin without indoor plumbing. Uh, You're talking about understanding the hard times, to be able to relate. And I think that's what what propelled him uh, in the United States Congress, in order to relate to people. Because at the end of the day, if people are going back over and over again, electing you to office, there is something that they are seeing. There are results being seen that they say, we need to continue this process. That says a lot, given the fact how long Senator Reid has been in the United States Senate, that since 1983, there's been a lot of changes in technology. And you know what? He apparently fits the mold of what the Nevadans believe that they are progressively going forward. And that speaks volumes because we're at such a different time uh, in our country from 1983. If you go back to 1983, fashion is a whole lot different. Technology is definitely different. And Senator Rita has been able to Stay in the in the lane, William. That,
2: yes, he, I mean he's. That's that's a great point. I mean he understands you know the current needs of our people. But one thing I, I, that really stood out to me, Cliff, kind of pointed onto it. I uh, pointed it out was that you know those values that he had growing up, he understood that. And I think one of the senators has said he he's known to be very blunt. Right. And you know the thought the thought that came to my mind was oftentimes it's the blunt instrument that gets through the obstacles. You know what I'm saying? It's the blunt hammer on that rock that his dad used. And so it's the blunt instrument that was used to get, you know, the Affordable Health Care Act across. And 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 so he understands these things. Um, one of the things I was looking at is how he is supporting the DREAM Act, you know, uh, with, with um, development and relief and education. He understands that we as citizens need these things, these are foundational things that we need health care, education, you know some kind of economic reform to allow the middle class to grow and and so he understands that, and he understands that you know what? I have to do what is needed so these well, people can grow
1: no without question and we all know the battles that are fought on the House floor, the Senate floor uh, there are huge battles that are fought for the American people, uh, and Senator Reed hasn 't tired. Uh, he continues to the last breath to fight for the american people he speaks about the minimum wage uh which is critical that that be raised and i think uh it was it was congressman barbara Lee who said we, we believe in giving people a living wage we shouldn't even be called a minimum wage what is a living wage uh and to excel and to increase that senator reid had a few things to say about the importance of raising the minimum wage let's see what he had to say
0: Lee, thank you very much for this and all you do. As we look down the list of people who are going to make presentations here today, it's remarkable that um, we're here together on the cause. I have such admiration and respect for everybody here. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is going to be introduced, That I have to say uh, what a partner that she has been. I have such admiration for this good woman, and what she does, she's great before the cameras, but she's better behind the camera where there's nobody around. And the whole everybody here, I'm so, I'm so sorry that George Miller is leaving the House of Representatives. <clears throat> I uh, just really care about him so very, very much. Who's, who's someone that's been in the trenches his whole political life. I've never worked for minimum wage. I've worked for less than minimum wage. As a boy and a young man, uh, we didn't have a lot of people around watching what people pay us. I wish I could have earned minimum wage in those days as a boy and a young man. But now the laws are better than they were. They're enforced better. It's great to see all these wonderful people here and here. I join you in a cause. Cause to give 26 million people a raise. That's what it's about. To draw out of poverty well more than a million people. It's really far too long that the wealthiest 1% of the country have been raking in billions of profits while the middle class and the poor have been affected adversely. I don't begrudge anyone success. More power to them, even if their name is Coke. Uh, But we here in Washington have to decide whose side we're on. And the people out there who go to the ballot boxes in the primary elections, the general elections in just a few months, have to decide whose side they're on. Are we here? Are they there voting to help millionaires and multi billionaires get richer? Are we here to help create a middle class? You know, we have a problem in America today. The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer.
1: Oh, there you have it. Uh, wow. Uh, he said, Cliff, Cliff, he said he worked for. Less than minimum wage Less than minimum wage uh, you, you, When you hear him talk You can hear him speaking to the importance It's not this, this doesn't sound like something that's a front This is something that is sincere to this man
5: He, he lifted it. So it's not something that he's just saying To say okay well You know there should be a living wage For people who uh, you know, or under the poverty level or are working, but still have to be on welfare. So he, he's not just making a speech right? or making a statement. He's saying, I have been there. I have been where you're at, where I was working for less than minimum wage. And I still see he understands that minimum wage does not allow you to make ends meet. Right. That's not where that. So that's why he's saying there needs to be a living wage that a person can say, if I'm working 40 hours a week, then I can be proud that I'm working and not saying, OK, I'm working, but I still have to go, uh, you know, get government assistance. Right. And or, or I still have to, you know, not be able to spend time with my family because I have to get a second job and a third job just to make ends meet. It's not just it's not just words he's saying. He has been there. So yep. he yep. he feels what the American people feel. And that is where he bases his decisions.
1: Yeah, Lisa, you saw something that was very interesting by uh, Senator Reid.
4: Yes, I did. And on top of, I mean, uh, what Cliff was just saying about what he had to say about the just fair wage for everyone, one thing that he made mention of in a press release uh, just this past week was uh, about black women's equal pay. And I actually was not aware of this, but when I'm and it really makes me sick to read it. But it said that a black woman, he said that a black woman must work. All of 2015, plus an additional eight months and 23 days just to make what her male co-workers made in one year. He said, on average, uh, American women make 77 cents for every dollar that their male colleagues make. But the wage gap is far worse for women of color. The average African-American woman will make 63 cents for every dollar that her white male counterpart makes. And in his words, he says, African-American women deserve better than this injustice. Congress must take action and give all women and their families an equal shot at prosperity. You expect to hear that from women. You don't always hear that from men who are concerned about things like that. And I was just shocked because I had no idea that there was that big a difference between even the the white women and black women. I didn't know it was that that drastic. And that is just absurd that that a black woman would have to work almost two years To make what a man is making in one, doing the same work, same job. But I have to work twice as long to get paid what you're getting paid.
1: You know what? That is absolutely awesome because I have never heard. I've not heard that even mentioned on the platform of equal pay. Neither have I. And it speaks to the despairing, the the despairing, the despairing issues that face African-Americans. Now, that's something nobody's talking about. No, yeah. No. no you, well, wait a minute. Not only are we dealing with that women have the right for equal pay, but African American women are at a lower scale. And again, goes back: Do we matter at all? That's right. Why, and how is it that you're making that much less from a white woman? Well, it's,
2: it's the bottom line is he uh, he understands the truth. The truth is the African American woman is a double minority, female, and African American. Yeah, she so, got two strikes against. you. Yeah, him, you got now. two strikes against you. So, so you got to understand this. This is what everybody sees. Everybody sees, but nobody wants to deal with. And so he's basically he's putting it out there. He's dealing with the truth that's on the table. He said it's not fair. It's not fair that you have to work that much. Uh, I mean, what was that, Lisa? Almost a year and eight months. Is that what you said? A year, eight months, and twenty three days. So almost two years to get. What's equal to your male counterparts' one year pay?
4: I mean, that's that's
1: that's that's,
2: uh, that's
4: ridiculous. And, and you know, guys, he's he's trying to get Senate to pass the Paycheck Fairness Act, which he's saying would close that gap for African American women. And the uh, Republican Senate has refused to support it. They wow. just don't want to do it. For they got their little political reasons why they're not doing it. But they just they're just refusing to do it.
5: Well, go ahead, Cliff. I thought you had something. No, I was going to say uh, the the part of that that really stands out and has to stand out is the fact that it's the same exact job. Equal job, but you're getting 66% of the pay. So a a white man is doing a job, a black woman does the same exact job, she only gets 66. I mean, 66% is only 16% higher than half. So you're paying me a little more than half of what you're paying him for the same exact job, you might as well say half. Because
2: regardless how you try to look at that, sixty some percent. If you're basically saying I have to work a year and eight months, that's twenty months. That is twenty months, four short of two years, and I do not get the same. And then I get the same pay. So so if I'm, if a white my white counterpart is making a hundred thousand dollars a year, I'm r- making roughly fifty thousand. That's what it's saying.
3: I exactly. mean, you know,
2: that's really what it's saying. I mean, the, and he is dealing with the reality of what we're dealing with, what we're facing. And he, I mean, he's saying that we have to grow the middle class. The rich is getting richer. The poor is getting poorer. He's lobbying for for jobs for 20 or a in, payment increase for 26 million people is what he said, if I remember correct, yep. 26 million people. I, I believe we're at 300 million in the in the United States, over 300 million. So you're talking about 26 million people that you're
5: impacting.
2: There's a lot of people with haves, and there's a lot of people with have-nots, and he's just trying to deal with 26 million people. That's that's just trying to make life better.
1: Well, and I think what's so important here is the fight. He, he Senator Reid, is not afraid to say that, which whether people agree or disagree as you said he speaks the truth in what the facts are that's it what we stated here were the facts that african-american women are are basically told they are less equal to caucasian uh, men and women white men and women in this country that's true that is
5: absolutely true
1: that is unacceptable in this country that is unacceptable and as cliff alluded to the exact same job how is that even humanly possible and justified or even allowed in this country. And we're so quick to say, oh, we've come so far. Oh, we've done this and we've done that. We have slavery alive and well with That's a different right. with a different face on it. That's right. That's, That's the bottom line. And you can take it as you take it, ladies and gentlemen. This is important information. And what I'm liking about Senator Reid is that, and what gives you a great deal of respect for Senator Reid, he will call... A spade a spade He'll call a cat a cat He'll call a dog a dog He's not going to mix his words mm-hmm. He's going to say exactly what it is I'll tell you right now ladies and gentlemen Senator Reid Not only does he deal with issues regarding equal pay He's dealing with issues Of, of you know, calling Some Republicans out For objecting to things That can help the American people As Lisa just said They objected to this as well And I'm not saying all of them, but a great number of them. This is why nothing can get done in Washington. If we would use our common sense and take the oath we took to to fairness and equal justice in this country, we would not have the problems that we face today in America. On the other side of the break, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming back. We're going to be discussing. You're going to hear more from Senator Reid on uh, his is moved to help veterans across this country. And he stood on the Senate floor and, and called Republicans out that opposed him. You're going to hear about the dishonoring of the judiciary in regards to uh, not up, not doing their due diligence per the constitution to at least hold hearings for president Obama's Supreme court nominee. It goes on and on. Senator Reed, I'll tell you, he knows he's in a war but he's aimed to win it. We're coming right back here on AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday as we continue to shine the spotlight on a legend, Senator Harry Reid. We'll be right back.
4: Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a Just Cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a Just Cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. You
6: must have thrown a thousand pitches teaching him to hit a home run. Spent countless Saturdays running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org, brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council. Congress
4: shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting
0: the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech
6: or of the press or the right of the people peaceably
4: to assemble and to petition
6: the government
4: for a redress of grievances.
6: I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company.
4: I can run a successful business.
6: I can manage your home improvements.
4: I can publicize your message.
3: I can motivate your audience.
4: I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can
2: boost your bottom
4: line.
5: I can have value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee.
4: But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talents and ability.
2: If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone.
4: If you don't realize that America works best
3: when everybody works.
2: What can you do? What can you do?
3: What can you do?
4: You can remember that it worked.
3: It's what people can do.
2: It's what people can
4: do that matters.
2: Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of AJC Radio and a campaign that we have started that is underway entitled spotlight on capitol hill this program is new to ajc radio but it is an exciting time when we take a few moments every thursday evening to highlight members of congress their initiatives that are not only important to them their constituents and the nation as a whole we invite you every thursday to tune in to ajc radio to hear your congressman or your senator and their initiatives that are here to shape a nation and to bring about change. We invite you cordially. And as we fight for justice, as we seek justice daily, we'll come together as not only the American people join us every Thursday for Spotlight on Capitol Hill. God bless you. And as always, God bless America.
3: You're on your way to meet up with friends, but you can't seem to get anywhere quickly. You don't want your friends to be annoyed, so you text. You're on your way. Five seconds is the average time your eyes are off the road while texting while driving. Make sure you get where you're going.
1: And welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And I'll tell you, we're having a good time here at AJC Radio as we shine the light on Senator Harry Reid, a legend, uh, one that we are sad to see leave. He's in his final year of the U.S. Senate. uh, And I'll tell you, he's been there since 1983. And uh, I guess it's time, but I'll tell you what, when you look at what he's doing and the legislation that he is pushing through to help uh, not only keep America safe, uh, benefits, social security, wages, uh, not only of equal pay for all people, but also African-American women who are are being definitely in a disparity situation when it comes to earnings. Uh, I'll tell you, William, this is a whole the whole gambit here uh, with Senator Reid as he has he's all over the place trying to make a difference. Uh, in our nation's capital and around the world he
2: sure is I, he he realized there's there's a lot of issues that need to be uh, tackled so uh, he's getting around and he's, he's touched on a lot of good things here
1: and it says here the 21st century gi bill of rights uh something that uh senator reed was a part of uh helps our newest veterans make the transition back to civilian life by updating the gi bill to ensure veterans who served in iraq and afghanistan have the same opportunity to take advantage of an affordable higher education as veterans did when President Roosevelt first signed the GI Bill. The bill gives veterans four years' worth of tuition and fees at Nevada colleges and universities, benefits that are good for up to 15 years and can be transferred to a spouse or a child if the veteran chooses, uh, as well as a yearly 1000 stipend to help cover the cost of books and supplies and an increased housing allowance, for veterans going back to school. That's how you say thank you to the veterans and the price, uh, Cliff, that they have paid uh, on the battlefield as they have sought, as they have, as rather they have fought to keep America safe. He stretches out even further to make sure these veterans have a reentry, if you will, into normal society.
5: That's right, and that's what, I mean, the things that are done for veterans, uh, I feel that it, it, it can't be enough. So every time you see legislation, that uh, is is passed on behalf of veterans. It, it baffles me that anybody would fight against it, but you find those members in Congress that do. But when you see uh, members like Senator Harry Reid, who have, you know, basically gone, gone to battle for the veterans to say, this is what you deserve. You deserve to be rewarded. I mean, what what is too big of a reward to give somebody for putting their life on the line? At the end of the day, at the, at the I mean. They put laid their life down and then when they come back, at least try to make life as comfortable as possible for them. Uh, because they, they all go through trauma. If they've been into war, there's uh if they if they don't have some physical trauma, there is something mentally that they have to deal with. And so, you know, you have to commend the Senator for uh taking the stance that he does for the veterans. No, oh, absolutely, and I'll
1: tell you, I'll give you an example. We're gonna hear from Senator Reid on his disgust, if you will, about some um what you will, some opposition of some uh, legislation that would have actually helped some veterans. And he's very vocal about the objection of this type of legislation by the Republicans on that side, at least, that just didn't want to get it done. Let's see what he got to say.
0: Uh, they, have, they have objected, obstructed, they mean Republicans, Senate, everything. Look what we just finished, and I mean finished a bill that had been worked on for a long, long time by the junior senator from Vermont, the chairman of the Veterans Committee, a bill that would help veterans. No one disputes the bill would help veterans. All 26 veterans organizations, including the American Legions and the Veterans of Foreign Wars, supported that legislation, plus 24 other veterans organizations. And what happens over here? The Republicans... They figured out a way to say no. They always do that. But the way they say no is obstruct. And that's what they did on this veterans bill. I hope every veteran in America understands the fact that we had something that would improve their lives. Improve the lives of the fighting men and women who came back from Iraq, Afghanistan, and those aging veterans from Vietnam and some from Korea and some from World War II are still with us because of the obstruction over here, continual obstruction, do anything they can to slow down the Obama administration, they are willing to even hurt veterans. This was a bill, Mr. President, that didn't take a single penny. It was paid for with war money, leftover war money we agreed to have not have amendments but that that's just all all uh, hot air from the Republicans we would be willing to do these bills if they would allow us to have amendments and they figure out a way to say no again
1: well there you have it Uh, you can hear the true disappointment uh, in Senator Reid's voice this is, a, this is unbelievable And for someone, the champion that Senator Reid is Should make every American proud to be an American That the fact Someone is fighting for them And to say that The bill, Cliff, would not Cost a dime And he, he spoke something that People are scared to say Anything to oppose This president in anything this president does, even if it hurts the veterans who have given their lives and fought for the freedoms that we all share, he says they still found a way to say no. Very few senators or Congressman Cliff would be willing to go out on that limb and speak to oh, Senator yeah.
5: Reid makes that difference. They don't want to, uh, to take that stand because they, they're, they're, they feel like, okay, what type of political – uh, repercussions would it have? And you know something that I that I thought was you know uh, interesting, troubling. I mean he he said no one disputes and everyone agrees that the bill would help veterans. Everyone agreed. Everybody in Congress says yes, this bill would help veterans. It absolutely is a great bill. Bill it would do what we claim we want done for veterans. But I'm not going to sign it. Why? Because I don't agree with the president. That is the type of political crap right, right. that goes on. That shows the American people that okay, are you about we the people, or are you about you and your position and what your uh, your political goal or what you want your career to be? Senator Reid says, okay, let's lay all the ignorance down, all the things that don't matter. This is for the veterans. And you you have to commit it because you know that the, there are those that he understands that he will have to work with on the other side of the aisle. But he still says, like, OK, you don't want to do this just because of this particular reason. And he lay he laid it down. Like they say, you know, he may be soft spoken, but when he speaks, the whole room listens.
1: Oh, absolutely. And goes further to say that Senator Reid fought for reasonable deployment cycles in Iraq and Afghanistan, Afghanistan. Uh, to relieve the strain on our armed forces and champion legislation to ease the hardship of involuntary mobilization for the national guard in the reserve uh, Senator Reid back legislation to combat waste and inefficiency in defense contracting uh, consistently work to increase pay and benefits for our service members and their families and to expand housing options for members of the military and veterans. Uh, I'll tell you what, William, that gives you a warm feeling all over that he sincerely cares. We were asking that question, Lisa, the other day about this, this, this world right now. Who cares? Who shows that they care? Who shows that, you know what, what you're going through matters. Uh, Senator Reid is sincere in that effort. William? He, uh, he is. I, I
2: tell you, I mean, listening to him talk, you know, you couldn't help but getting a little – a little choked up about it because what he was dealing with was was very real. I mean, laying out the fact that these are veterans that are right now they're dealing with conflicts that could help veterans that dealt, were from Vietnam, veterans from Korea. He even pointed went as far back as veterans from World War II. They're still here with us that could could help. But yet, members from member the Republican members that wear Republican first. Instead of the U.S. flag, like these soldiers wear on their shoulders. See, that's they're 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 U.S. citizens first. They're not Republicans first. They're U.S. citizens first. But you're not going to pass this into law. You're going to block it because you don't like the president of the United States. So you don't like uh, the person that represents our country. You don't like his. I mean, that's the stupidest thing I have ever heard of in my life I just don't want to do this because I don't like him he doesn't you think about it, the president is not a veteran so he's not going to directly benefit from it I mean but, but so this kind of stupid mentality is what is running through Washington and Senator Reid is combating this kind of ignorance so it's, he's truly going to be missed because he is dealing with these issues and so you know it's really upsetting it's really upsetting to, to, to hear that and watch that policy fall on the floor and fall on deaf ears because of someone's ignorance.
1: Well, and at the end of the day, Senator Reid, and it takes a leader uh, to deal with these issues, and, and we say it all the time on this program, you have to walk the walk. And Senator Reid, since 1983, all of these years, uh, has just worked uh, tirelessly to make sure that the American people had a better way they had a better option to go to, and I think that speaks volumes. Uh, He dealt with issues, uh, and before I get into that, I want to go into what Senator Reid was talking about, the suicide rate, uh, calls for passage of the Clay Hunt Suicide Prevention Act, uh, which is to help protect those uh, that are dealing with that issue. He's in every issue that faces America, and again, our veterans that suffer so many things coming back from war, uh, he is on the on the front lines, if you will, of the battle to ensure that something definitely is happening that can uh, to make that, that can make a better way. Let's hear what he had to say about the uh, Clay Hunt Suicide Prevention Act.
0: Shortly, the senior senator from Connecticut, Senator Blumenthal, will ask consent the Senate take up and pass the Clay Hunt Suicide Prevention Act. The reason Clay Hunt was used as a model for this situation we have is because of his outstanding record. Here is a man; they've done specials in 60 minutes minutes for him. Uh, he was uh, two tours of duty. He was a Marine in Iraq and Afghanistan. Purple Heart. Just a wonderful human being. He got out. He went and helped with the um, earthquake in Haiti. Uh, but this President, he could not overcome what happened to him in this combat mission. So uh, this issue is so important for our veterans. Today, since 7 o'clock this morning, to 7 o'clock in the morning, 22 veterans will kill themselves, commit suicide every day. They don't take weekends off seven days a week. We need to stop this devastation, that's what it is. is. Mr. President, suicide is very personal to me. As some of you will know, my good dad killed himself. So the heartbreak that's caused, the the total loss, the the inability to understand um, caused by this needless, preventable death of a loved one is hard to comprehend. The Clay Hunt Suicide Prevention Act is bipartisan legislation. The bill passed the House last Tuesday. I thank Senators McCain and Walsh for their work on this veteran suicide issue. They both introduced their own legislation to address this important issue, a Vietnam veteran and a Iraq veteran. I commend Senator Blumenthal for all of his efforts to get this important bill passed. We shouldn't delay a minute more in passing this legislation. The bill is supported by an overwhelming majority of the Senate. We could pass it just like that. We could have cooperation there's only one senator, I understand, standing in the way. So let's do what's right for our veterans one more time before we close the 113th Congress.
1: Wow. Uh, news to me. Uh, senator Reid's father took his life. And you know what, what stands out to me in that clip, Cliff uh, William-Lisa, is his sincere respect for those across the aisle that he referenced to Senator McCain uh, those that see this speaks volumes of leadership and I don't know if you caught that uh, William when when he said I'm thankful for those that have been willing to support this act Senator McCain being a war hero a veteran himself not name calling and going back
3: this is
2: leadership
1: I mean this is true leadership that stands out
2: that makes a difference. Yes, and, and I mean, you know, he under see this is the thing. When you're dealing with the truth and the reality of about of an issue, he's dealing with the fact that these soldiers are coming back. They've seen all aspects of war and that they need help. Senator McCain, if I'm correct, if I remember correctly, was a P.O.W. And so he understood the tragedies of war. He's seen pretty much all aspects of war from Vietnam. Senator McCain did. So he's saying thank you. Thank you for putting down your Republican banner and saying, look, this is a real issue right here, and, and, and this needs to be addressed, and, and that the, these these soldiers are coming back. They need access to health care, uh, mental health care. They need access to you know, any means necessary to help them transition out of war. And back into society, help them to get back to their families. I mean, there's, a, there's an aspect of being back home, but we've heard, we've heard tell of it that some soldiers never come back, mentally never come back to you know, from war. And so that's what he's dealing with. That's what this act is dealing with. So, yes, thank you for those that are willing to see the bigger picture and the true aspect of an issue and say, listen, we need to get this
1: across. Wow, that, that, again, uh, you know, the personal tragedy of his father taking his life, uh, again, is giving him the opportunity uh, to, to, uh, to go forward.
2: No, that was, that was tragic to see. I, I did not realize um, about his father as well. And uh, so he said, you know, he pointed it out. He said, listen, loss of life, and when someone take, decides to take his own life, um, that is very, very tragic. So, you know, he opened up himself and said, "Look, this is
1: this personal. is personal.
2: This, this is personal. this hits home
1: for me." And he uh, just has a, to me, has a heart in all the right places in every aspect of what he's doing. Uh, you know, when we had the uh, the homeowner situation, as far as uh, the the real estate market, the housing market rather suffered uh, greatly. Uh, states here that while the housing market was recovering. Nevada was among the state's hardest hit by the housing downturn and continues to have one of the highest foreclosure rates in the nation. Senator Reid has worked hard to address this problem by working with state and federal officials to hold lenders accountable, expanding housing assistance programs, amending the tax code to help homeowners that are underwater, creating incentives for investment in the housing market and providing resources to housing, counselors, local communities to help keep families in homes and stabilize communities. He's in the, We said earlier, Senator Reid continues to stay on the front lines. He's not back in a corner somewhere trying to figure out what am I doing? Can I contribute? He is on the front lines, Cliff, of these
5: critical issues.
1: Uh, and I'm telling you, the people of Nevada apparently believe in him.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and he puts, uh, you know, like the old adage says, puts his money where his mouth is. For, you know, he put up close to a a million dollars that he put, um, you know, he put out to help prevent homes uh, from from foreclosing, foreclosing in Nevada. You know, the issue that you talked about where, you know, he took he took it to heart, heard what the people had to say. But then he didn't, you know, like some politicians just get up on a stump and say, you know, hey, we're going to hold the banks accountable and this is what we're going to do. You know, two, three, four, five years down the line, but then he put up money, put up eight hundred seven thousand dollars for the people of Nevada to uh, to ensure that those homes wouldn't get foreclosed. That yeah. is a, a senator, a member of Congress, uh, an elected official that is working for the people. Like I say, you can. There's one type that gets up and talks and uh, says what they can do or what they want to do or what they'll promise to do, but then there are those like Senator Harry Reid who actually does something for the people that, uh, that he serves. And,
1: and not only that,
5: uh, we have seen some
1: horrific tragedies in this country in the la- this year. Uh, whether you're talking about terrorist attacks, killings at the Pulse nightclub down there in Florida, you're dealing with Charleston, that tragedy, uh, all the things that we have seen this year, uh, you need a senator or a congressman To believe that when America is bleeding from the wounds of tragedy, will the leaders stand up and speak up and speak out and empathize with the American people? Senator Reid had some remarks about the Charleston, Charleston tragedy and the killing that took place and demanded that change happen. Now, let's hear what he had to say.
0: Our nation's heart remains broken over the census tragedy last week in Charleston, South Carolina. A young man full of hate took the lives of nine worshipers after they welcomed their Bible study. Once again, someone motivated by ignorance and hatred got his hands on a gun and inflicted pain on innocent Americans. Once again, we must witness the people of the community as they struggle to reconnect put the pieces of their lives back together. Once again, we're looking at our newspapers, watching our TV screens, and talking about our dinner tables about. Why? Why did this happen? As the painful details emerge, we can't turn away from the hard truth this tragedy lays bare. Racism still exists in our society. We have to accept that reality. If we ever hope to change it, Mr. President, we have to accept that reality. I watched this weekend as pundits and the nation's thought leaders attempted to address this issue by sidestepping the truth. This violent attack was racially motivated. Plain, Mr. President, could we have order in the Senate?
3: Senator, will be, be in order.
0: This violent attack was racially motivated, plain and simple was intended to terrorize the African-American community both in Charleston and around this nation. 50 years after Dr. Martin Luther King led a march here in Washington, 50 years after Congress passed the Civil Rights Act, 50 years after the March for Voting Rights in Selma, 50 years after Congress passed the Voting Rights Act, we must still face the hard truth about race in America. Mr. President, Can we have order in the Senate? It will be in order. Mr. Brown, the truth is that we still have much to do. We have. We must overcome. We have no choice. One cannot ignore this underlying issue. It deeply troubles our nation. Hatred and bigotry persist. Harsh realities of hatred and bigotry in this country, in addition to the consistent lack of Opportunity communities of color have led far too many men and women of color to feel that their lives really don't matter. And it's easy to feel that your life doesn't matter when the odds are stacked against you every place you look.
1: Well, there you have it. Uh, you can't say it any better than that. I think what I what's disturbing to me... He had to continually ask for order as he addresses racism in America. Why should the Democratic leader have to continually ask for order, which is respect and quiet, while a member of Congress presents their case, or their position? Three times, I believe, he said, we ask that order be done. Cliff, is it ironic that that order is asking to be done at the moment when he is exposing racism in America and speaks it exactly how it is. Yes, yeah,
5: like, you know, other members in the room like, have this attitude that, well, I don't want to hear this. I'm not concerned. Uh, this is not something that I want to discuss. And it needs to be. I mean, it, you have the 500-pound gorilla sitting in the middle of the room and no one wants to deal with it. And Senator Reid, you know, not only speaks to it, but when others start to get out of line and and start to uh, take it as a trivial matter, he asked for order to be brought in the room so that, uh, you know, that issue can be can be concentrated on. Just shows that he's not just about being a senator. He's about the people and and all the people of America to, to bring this up and say, you know, there's there's no no other. Uh, No other conclusion that you can come to, but that this attack was racially motivated and we need to deal with it as such. And you have to commend him for taking that stand, because obviously there are are other members there who uh, who who did not feel the same way that he did. No. And then I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, you can say what you want.
1: Uh, There are things. And again, make no mistake about it. We don't put everybody in the same boat. Uh, we have good Republican leaders out there that are doing some good things. We've had them on our show. Uh, but we're talking about the big picture uh, that our Congress needs to come together. Uh, our Congress needs to come together to get things done. The Charleston tragedy, uh, President Obama went further to push for gun control. He has been talking about it. He said, I'm tired of coming to a funeral. I'm tired of going to hospitals visiting victims of crimes with people getting guns, uncontrollable. Uh, They come out, they make statements, some of them, uh, that uh, the Democratic Party or President Obama or Secretary Clinton, their whole goal is to take away your Second Amendment right and take away your guns. Absolutely not true. And Senator Reid has made it clear we're trying to save lives. Does that count or amount to anything? And I think what is so magnificent, if you will, for Senator Reid and so admirable is that he continues to step in the trenches. And I'm starting to wonder, William, has he ever stepped out of them? Because the battles have been ongoing. Your thoughts.
2: I don't think so. I think he's still still with his dad in the mines, you know, hammering. He's hammering. (laughs) trying. I mean, really, I mean, you know, I say that, you know, with a little joke. But I mean, I think really he understands that level of hard work is demanded for the obstacles that he's going to face and that our country's facing. That's the reality. It's really goes back to the first segment we ran when he said he's blunt. He has been that blunt instrument. He said, listen, this is what's needed. This is what's needed for the little guy to get something done for them, you know, cause it's always the trickle down. It always starts and by the time it reaches to the, the man that really needs it, it's less than when it started. So you know, he is there, he's saying, Listen, here you go. And and I love that what you said is true. Why does he have to stand on the floor, make this speech, and demand for them to be settled? You know, what was more important for them to rustle and to do whatever? You know, as he's dealing with and what he said, we have to, you know, acknowledge the truth that racism still exists. He mentioned the things there that, that most people would not, are not going to touch. They're not going to deal with the truth. He said this was targeted. It targeted the African-American community. It was totally racial hatred. I mean he – what it is. Yeah, he's saying it, this is what it is. You don't have to try to make it better. You don't try, have to try to you know put lipstick on a pig. This is what it is. And so the bottom line is, just deal with
1: it. No, absolutely. And uh, I'll tell you what, folks, you want to get in on the conversation, 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. And as you know, going on right now in this country is a huge conversation on immigration, comprehensive uh, immigration, humane immigration. And the president signed an executive order uh, in regards to the DREAM Act uh, to do something to help those children uh, that were brought here, that have been here. All they know is the American way. And Senator Reid speaks to that and speaks to the importance of why that was so very important. Uh, And we still have states taking people to court, taking the president's executive action to court when it's helping millions of immigrants. In a humane way, we're going to deal with that on The other side of this break, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you what the bar has been raised a little higher tonight again on AJC radio spotlight on Capitol Hill. We continue to reflect and to shine the light on a legend. That legend is Senator Harry Reid. We're coming right back here on AJC radio spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday.
6: The racial composition of the prison population in the United States is very different from the population at large. If people are worried about inequality in America today, I think this deserves more attention in the discussion. Racial inequality in the criminal justice system gets ignored because it doesn't affect most people. In 2010, over 1.6 million people were in state and federal prisons within the United States. So. 497 out of every 100,000 Americans were in jail, about half of 1%. Less than 1%. That doesn't seem very large, but when you separate that population by race, you recognize that the personal effects of the criminal justice system are very unequally shared throughout our society. Whites make up 64% of the total population, but only 31% of the incarcerated population. Blacks represent 14% of society, but 36% of the prison population. Hispanics are 16% of America, but 24% of the American prison population. Less than one in 100 Americans are currently in jail, but for some races, genders, and age groups, that ratio is a lot larger. For example, if you're young, black, and male, it's closer to about one in four. That means you'd have a higher probability going to jail than of getting married or going to college. These results are unequal and problematic as poor Black communities lack so many of their members. But what can be done? The causes of this trend are undoubtedly complicated and multi-causal. But there is reason to suggest that part of the blame is our criminal justice system itself, in the ways police officers enforce laws, in the ways that laws are written and prosecuted, and more. In many cases, it is not overt racism by individual actors. Many police officers, prosecutors, and judges are undoubtedly trying to be fair and trying to do the right thing. But economics can explain how unequal enforcement of the criminal law happens anyway. This is because the political and bureaucratic structure of the criminal justice system creates perverse incentives. The formal laws surrounding drug prohibition, for example, are written as if to be colorblind but people with different levels of wealth face different costs and benefits to participating in the drug trade. Different groups consume different drugs at different rates, and lastly, those groups are politically represented in very different quantities. Thus, they are arrested and incarcerated at very different rates. How could minority groups hope to use the political process to fix inequality when they are systematically over-incarcerated and disenfranchised? Despite noble intentions, politics, often does not affect the basic incentives of costs and benefits faced by political or citizen actors. We might need a new approach to social change if we are going to address these problems. We definitely need more study into the causes of inequality, and we should admit that radical changes might be both necessary and preferable to the status quo. I don't have to tell you about the challenges we face every
5: day. That would be like preaching to the choir. Today you have a chance to face the challenge of your risk for diabetes. My dad had diabetes, and one in four U.S. adults are at risk, myself included. If you're older than 45 or African
1: American, that risk increases. So here's a chance to ask yourself, what can I do? Talk to your doctor about getting screened and know what your options are. Learn more at
2: askscreenknow.com.
3: Odds of becoming an astronaut, one in 13,200,000. Odds of being struck by lightning, one in 576,000. Odds of dating a supermodel, one in 88,000. Odds of bowling a perfect game, one in 11,500. Odds of being trapped in an elevator, one in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game, one in 563. Odds of an injury from shaving, 1 in 6,585. Odds of tripping while texting, 1 in 10. Odds of getting cancer in your lifetime, 1 in 2 men, 1 in 3 women. It's up to us to change the odds for our generation,
5: for the ones we love, for our future.
3: If you don't like the odds, stand up. Stand up to cancer.
1: welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. And if you're wondering what in the world is going on at AJC Radio tonight, I'll tell you right now, the American spirit is alive and well as we have shined the light on a legend and a true patriot of America. And that is Senator Harry Reid, the Democratic uh, Party leader. And I'll tell you what, he's doing some things. And uh, we've been excited tonight as we have had the opportunity to speak about the heart, the passion, the, the, uh, the perseverance, if you will, of Senator Reid uh, is absolutely uh, amazing. It is mind-boggling that he is willing to get down in the trenches and make something happen. And tonight we've been honored to, uh, to actually shine the light on him. I'm Lamar Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, William Williams, and we, as we continue this discussion in regards to Senator Reid. And William, I'll tell you what, this has been an evening of, of true uh, enlightenment, if you will, as we have seen some things with this senator, uh, and I don't say, when I, when I say Senator Reid, uh, by no means do we take away his tenure uh, in the U.S. Congress. And I'll tell you what, he's doing some stuff, William, that uh, I guess has a speechless somewhat.
2: Yes, it does. I, I tell you, you know, this, he's touched on so many things, so many issues that, every day the common man has had to deal with and i think really you know it comes we've said it before it goes back to how to his humble beginnings and he's truly going to be missed i I, you know it's it's like one of those things you want to kind of say hey you know sit around for you know another couple of years to do some more good things because that's i I mean with him doing the things that he's doing you know he's truly going to be missed
1: no absolutely and uh we've heard that on a few occasions tonight uh senator reed uh Definitely, we were talking about the immigration issue uh, and the humane part of it that needs to happen uh, in regards to doing the right thing. And again, he spoke to uh, the importance of of fighting for comprehensive immigration. That's been an issue in this country uh, for quite some time. But it is also on the hate side of things and the bigotry in this country uh, has caused people somewhat to be divided uh, against the Latino community. Uh, and immigrants as a whole uh, without wanting to do the human thing. And President Obama and definitely Senator Reid have been committed to doing it in a humane way. Thus, uh, the president taking executive action uh, with the DREAM Act to say, look, we care. You don't have to worry about somebody coming in and and taking you out of a college classroom uh, in in some type of rash move of doing inhumane things uh, in the immigration system. And uh, Senator Reid speaks a little bit. To the importance of comprehensive immigration. want to talk about that, Let, let's see what he had to say first.
0: For many families across America, Mr. President, though, this Thanksgiving was particularly unique and special. Because of President Obama's recent executive actions, many immigrant families celebrated the holiday together for the first time without the threat of someone knocking on their door in a police uniform. Um, These people now, instead of staying in the shadows, are having a good time. Their holiday is not threatened to be ruined. It's all over America. They're openly giving thanks or blessings of family that they haven't been able to enjoy in the past. Instead of looking over their shoulder, they joyously revel in the time they spend with their loved ones. What President Obama did needed to be done. Had to be done because we've all seen firsthand how our nation's failing immigration system was tearing families apart. Each day, offices all over America, Senate offices all over America, would receive pleas, I did in Nevada, from loved ones who have fallen victim to our nation's flawed immigration system. I've met with these people personally, I've talked to them on the telephone, I've read their letters. I've seen their emails, and it's heartbreaking to listen and hear some of their stories, their experiences. So I always try to do everything within them a lot of help. Um, and sometimes we can help, other times they cannot be helped within the confines of the law, so they wind up really unhappy. Earlier this year, I was able to, for example, their experience that we've all had, unite Edith Fox, F-A-W-K-E-S, Mother from Las Vegas with their 12-year-old son, Brian. That was a festive occasion. It was touching, but it's all too rare. For every one family that's reunited, It's reunited, thousands and thousands of others have been decimated by deportations. That's why the executive action taken by the president is so very important.
1: And, um, folks, there you have it. Um, The sincerity, Cliff, that you hear in Senator Reid's voice, Lisa, um, I mean, this is a man that that, that is is wearing his heart for the world to see. Um, He's talking about uh, families um, who were affected by the Dream Act and the executive action by the president were sitting around the Thanksgiving table not warning if a van was going to pull up and, and take people from the kitchen table. Uh, this is what I call humane leadership. Your thoughts on that, Lisa?
4: Yeah, Lamont, I have to agree with you. Um, his, his thoughts on that were very, I mean, it's very profound. The things that he, when you see his, his heart, he wears his heart on his sleeve and you see it so clearly and how things affect him. And if people stop being affected, and they stop being effective leaders, and I think he's – I mean, what, the, the things that he's doing are just amazing for him to be working as hard as he is for as long as he's been working. He's just doing it's, – it's, it's just amazing for him to be doing things like that.
1: No, absolutely. William, when you hear that from Senator Reid, um,
4: we're talking about children. We're talking
1: about babies uh, who, uh, from the beginning, as long as I can remember, people have come to this country for a better way. When you hear rhetoric of division, uh, you understand why Senator Reid said this is not about dividing and tearing down. If we get into the mode of doing that, we're in trouble. Senator Reid is connected to the issues and to the people of America to make that definitely not a reality. Right. Your thoughts on that, William?
2: Well, you know, as he was talking, you really think about the fact that our country was founded by immigrants on the whole notion of immigration, coming, coming here for a better, a better life, a better opportunity. And now we look at it through such a narrow set of views and narrow, sets of, narrow set of vision. And, and so he's sitting here saying, you know what, this is happening too much. And when he talked about the, the mother and son being reunited – he said it happens. It doesn't happen often enough. That, but it it's happening where families are being torn apart, and that's what's wrong here. I mean, you know, there's a lot, but there, you know, what he's pointing up, pointing out is that we're tearing down um, the foundation of our country, the foundation of families, and and in pursuit of this, you know, these laws that are just. Uh, you know, it's just really heart wrenching. It's really heart wrenching. And so, what he's doing is he's dealing with these tough issues. He's dealing with the fact that we're losing sight of the truth and what is what is really the simple views of things, you know, of family, of friends, of sitting down together at Thanksgiving and enjoying your family get togethers without worrying about, you know, the deportation or a loved one that's been deported. Uh, that you will hear from maybe later. I mean, all these things are things that are, are tragic. And, you know, to hear him talk about it, to hear him, you know, he's very soft-spoken, but he he really speaks with such, I, I guess it's such a truth, and he's authentic in what he's saying.
1: No, absolutely, William. I couldn't, say, couldn't have said it better. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the immigration push by Senator Reid uh, uh, led uh, uh, Senate passage of the Common Sense Bipartisan Immigration Reform Bill that is tough, fair, and practical and protects our economic and national security. Uh, Senator Reid, as we said earlier, is a strong supporter and one of the original co-sponsors of the DREAM Act, which would provide students brought to the United States illegally years ago through no fault of their own the opportunity to earn permanent residence and ultimately citizenship provided they attend college or serve in the military and meet other key requirements. Senator Reed believes immigration reform is vital to ensuring our national security. He has helped secure billions in federal funding to deploy additional border agents and improve border control technologies in an effort to protect our nation against drug traffickers, criminal organizations, and others who seek to do us harm. The difference with Senator Reed here is that he's not pointing out a particular group of people. He is not calling the Latino community racists and criminals and rapists and whatever you want. He's not saying that. Right. He is saying, and this is the way it must be addressed in order to avoid the division in this country. And this is the comprehensive immigration. Yes. And that's what it's about. If that was your mother or your father, your sister or your brother, would you still want to just... Go and do and rip children out of the arms of their mothers. Take fathers away from their daughters and their sons. Well, the thing is... This, this is... Go ahead, William.
2: No, I'm just saying, you know, as you're saying that, the thing is family is family. Mothers, daughters, sisters, brothers, fathers, all that. Family is family without the cover of the skin. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you still have that that loved one. And to think about the loss of that loved one. And and, and this this is just... Just – this is another you know, opportunity, a milestone when you look at the work that he's done and the fact that – I wanted to point this out. This act right here, he co-sponsored with Dick Durbin and Orrin Hatch, another example of him reaching across the aisle, reaching across and saying, listen, this, we need to work together. We need Absolutely. to work together and get this thing done because this is impacting people.
1: Well, they say Senator Reid is a man of family, strong family ties. Understand the importance of that. Understand coming up in the hard way in which he did and learning the things and the, suffering the tragedies that he has suffered um, has made him a true leader of our time. One of the, one of the best leaders of our time, I would be uh, uh, have no hesitation in saying that. Uh, but he goes further in the Benghazi. We know the Benghazi situation. Um, Politics, 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 politics. Uh, there comes a time that politics becomes a burden, not only on the backs of those that cause it, but those that, in, that have to endure it, such as the American people. Whether you're dealing with tax dollars, going towards investigations or things that if we've, in our history of our country, we have been in war. We have had Secretary of State. We have had Department of Defense heads. We've had generals. Nobody gets it exactly right. Senator Reid, we said he, he steps out on things that appear to not be too comfortable for a lot of people. He did that in the case when he spoke about the, the, the uh, created Benghazi committee, and he talks about the wasting of millions for political gain. Let's hear what he had to say.
0: Former First Lady. United States Center representing the state of New York and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton will testify before the so-called Benghazi Select Committee tomorrow. In recent weeks, it's become absolutely clear that this committee is nothing more than a political hit job on Hillary Clinton. I remember the program queen for a day. Uh, I guess this is speaker for the day. Uh, Republican majority leader of the House of Representatives, Um uh, Carthy, here's what he said on a TV show, radio show, whatever it was. Um, everybody thought Hillary Clinton was unbeatable, right? We put together a Benghazi Special Committee, a select committee. What are her numbers today? Her numbers are dropping. Well, that's one reason he was Speaker for the day, but there were other reasons, of course. Uh, but Mr. president. He told the truth. He told the truth. Congressman McCarthy isn't the only Republican to speak the truth, though, about this so-called committee. Last week, Republican Congressman Richard Hanna of New York said, and I quote, sometimes the biggest sin you can commit in D.C. is to tell the truth. This may not be politically correct, but I think that there was a big part of this investigation that was designed to go after people and an individual Hillary Clinton, period. After what Kevin McCarthy said, I'm still quoting, it's difficult to accept at least a part of it was not. I think that's the way Washington works, but you like to expect more from a committee that spent millions of dollars and tons of time. That is an understatement. About $5 million just for this one select committee there have been other hearings that cost also huge amounts of taxpayer dollars. But they're going to bring her in again tomorrow. And uh, they said, be ready for eight hours, eight hours of interrogation. And that's what it is, it's interrogation. These two quotes from two House Republicans. Hannah from New York is not a Democrat, he's a Republican. And the message is clear. The Benghazi committee is a political calculation meant to influence presidential elections.
1: Well, there you have it, uh, Cliff. Make no mistake about it. Senator Reid does not mix his words in any way in addressing exactly how he feels. He calls people out by name. This is leadership.
5: Exactly, and when it, I mean, how often do you hear a member of Congress talking about the waste of Congress? Uh, I mean, you have to be in a position where you know that you're not wasting the taxpayer money when you're when you stand and, uh, and you know take that type of stance to call out and say, "Look, you guys have wasted five million dollars on a hearing uh, on a committee." That's basically, you know, chasing a ghost. And and he realized it and just lays it out. But how many times do you see a member of Congress say, look, Congress is wasting money? That is, uh, you know, what it takes to be about the American people. Say we're wasting taxpayer dollars here and we need to stop. We need to be able to put the money to something that is more uh, more reasonable and something that is really going to bring something to fruition. You, uh, you know, you you gotta respect Senator Reid for taking that type of stance. Absolutely, William. Your thoughts on that? As as you hear that,
2: well, I, I liked, um, you know, what he, he called it out. What it was, you know, basically he's uh, called it a political hit squad. You know, I mean, he and to influence presidential elections. I mean, you know, he the, the thing about him is he's going to tell the truth. He's not gonna let it just sit under a rock or try to give it some kind of camouflage. He said this is all about the political. You know, they have, this has a political agenda. The motive is not for truth. It's not about the story. It's about manipulating it to win an election. That's all it's about. And so they don't, you know. And he's just, he's just calling their bluff. He's calling their bluff and saying, listen, you're wasting taxpayers' dollars on this. You're wasting taxpayers' dollars to try to influence an auction. I mean, not an auction election. So, um, sorry about that. But anyway, you know, that's it.
1: No, absolutely. And these are things uh, again that make a big difference. And uh, it is important that we deal with that. Right now, as we get ready to go into the next segment, Senator Reid took a moment to say goodbye and give a sincere thank you to all that has helped him become the legend he has become. Let's hear what he had to say as he leaves Congress at the end of this session.
0: These bruises I have on my face on my eye are an inconvenience, but trust me, they're nothing compared to some of the bruises I got when I was fighting in the ring. When I was a boy, I dreamed of being an athlete. I listened to those games on the radio, baseball games, and I envisioned me as a man out in the center field in Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park in Boston. But the joy I've gotten with the work that I've done for the people of state of Nevada has been just as fulfilling as if I had played center field at Yankee stadium. The job of minority leader in the United States Senate is just as important as being a majority leader. It gives you so much opportunity to do good things for this country. And that's what I am focused on. But this accident has caused us for the first time to have a little downtime. I have had time to ponder and to think we've got to be more concerned about the country, the Senate, the state of Nevada, then us. And as a result of that, I'm not going to run for reelection. My friend Senator McConnell, don't be too elated. I am going to be here for twenty two months, and you know what I'm going to be doing? The same thing I've done since I first came to the Senate. We have to make sure that the Democrats take control of the Senate again. And I feel it is inappropriate for me to soak up all those resources on me when I could be devoting those resources to the caucus. And that's what I intend to do. The decision that I've made has absolutely nothing to do with my injury. It has nothing to do with my being minority leader. And it certainly has nothing to do with my ability to be reelected because the path to reelection is much easier than probably has been any time that I've run for reelection.
3: I can't. A little upset sometimes when I hear politicians say that they're going to go and spend time with their family after they decide that they're not going to be in politics anymore. He's a wonderful husband and a wonderful father. And so that's been more important than the other things that he's done with his life.
0: my background, my upbringing, uh, to have the experience I've had is really a miracle, and I want the people of State of Nevada to know that I am so grateful, and I have done my best. I haven't been perfect, but I've really tried my hardest to represent the people of State of Nevada.
1: there you have it, folks, Senator Harry Reid with a sincere goodbye and I'll say right now is very special thanks to Senator Reid for his service, his public service to the United States of America and the protection of its citizens. I'll tell you right now, Senator Reid, you will be missed. And I am confident that your work that you've done, you have left a legacy behind of greatness, and of humanity. I'll tell you right now, if we have more people like Senator Reid, our Congress would possibly even be a better and stronger place. He's one of many, but tonight we salute you, Senator Reid. A very special thanks for your service as we have spotlighted you tonight here on Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. And right now, we go to the final segment of our program. What you didn't know about the RP6 part two of what we discussed of abuse behind the wall after a huge miscarriage of justice. What you didn't know about the RP6 starts right now. I just calls, has found something very interesting. A playwright by Judge H. Lee Saragin about the RP6. It starts right now. Take
3: a look. My name is David
5: Binks, and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex
6: Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado.
5: I've lost everything.
2: My business, my money, my family, my future, my church,
0: and my freedom.
1: My name is Gary Walker, and I'm Serving a sentence of eleven years in the same prison. Just to aside, not only were the six of us all devout members of the same church, there was not a single criminal charge or conviction
5: among any of us of these unbelievable
3: events on
6: My name is Clinton Stewart, and I'm serving a sentence of ten years at the same prison in Colorado. It's fitting that we lived, prayed, and worked together that we should end up dying together. Because that is what prison is for us and our families. I am Kendrick Barnes, and I am serving a seven-year sentence
5: at the same prison in Colorado. I was the chief information officer at IRP Solutions, the name of our company. I testified, and then Gary objected. A Donnybrook broke out, because Gary said our Fifth Amendment rights have been violated by compelling us to testify. The judge said she had not said anything of the kind, and we demanded the transcript. We were all absolutely unanimous in our verbatim version of what she had said. She denied production of the transcript for that day and at the time, some 200 pages, but assured us that they would be produced at the end of the day. Transcript of that particular conversation in the courtroom between us and the judge has never been produced. I am Demetrius Harper, and I'm serving a 10-year sentence at the same prison. And then in June of 2009,
6: four years later, they finally got a grand jury to indict us. This time, they only called one witness, an FBI agent.
5: And the old adage that a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich was proven.
1: This is a production that sets the bar and takes a sincere look at the R.P. 6 story. Judge H. Lee Serekin, retired federal judge, felt compelled to say something. We will not remain silent to see the full story, the full playwright of the R.P. 6 tragedy. Go to YouTube search the race card, you don't want to miss it. Some people think that business is a game, and what we have learned is that business actually is war.
4: When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. strange to me. I think it's still strange. It, does, it absolutely makes no
0: sense. Is this really real? Is this happening?
4: Mm. And then all of a sudden, your whole life is ripped apart.
1: What we have learned is that the RP6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an american nightmare they were floored that uh they were even being raided
4: um it became very clear that the court appointed attorneys were not working for the guys um and it, it seemed like in many cases that they were um,
3: collaborating or working with the prosecution we
4: constantly hear in the news Every week, you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen, that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over it. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to convict.
3: Is
1: this happening in America? The American dream of the rp 6 has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org, sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen of America. I'm to ask you tonight to do something that you may have shut the computer down for the evening. We're going to ask you to maybe lift up that laptop, go to change.org, sign the petition for the IRP6 as we seek clemency to the President of the United States, to grant clemency, rather, for these six men, wrongfully convicted, and have languished in prison for the last four years. Who are they? David Banks, Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Clint Stewart and Gary Walker. Tonight we do part two of what we talked about the other night in regards to abu- the continued miscarriage of justice that continues behind the wall at Florence Prison Camp here in Colorado. And we have suffered some things, if you will, and those six men have suffered harassment, threats intim- and acts of intimidation, threats of solitary confinement, harassment to family members, harassment to... The mothers of these men, the daughters of these men, minors, uh, one thing after another to harass and to, if, if you will, make it as difficult as possible for these six men and their families. Cliff, as we continue to dig into certain things you've actually lived with and actually experienced at the Florence camp, as we talk about the miscarriage of justice, and the unfair treatment of these six men, and even you uh, and other family members targeted. How is that possible?
5: Well, it's the culture of the, uh, of the prison system, especially down there in Florence, Colorado. I mean, you would not believe if, uh, you know, I know myself personally, wouldn't believe the things that happened had, you know, I had not been one of the ones that experienced what goes on in the visitation room. I and mean, you're talking about a, a camp, supposed to be. You're talking about this is minimum security this is uh and the the statement that bop makes that you know it's very important for family and friends to visit and they uh you know they come in and recommend that families and friends come visit as much as they can but then when you go there you get harassed and it, it uh, again you know it speaks to the culture of what is allowed by the by the uh, warden what what the warden lets trickle down from his position all the way down to the uh, correctional officers at the gate, signing you in for your visitation. No, absolutely. And the problem what we deal
1: with now, we're going to deal with this on next Tuesday, the religious right has been violated. The greeting religiously that has been accustomed for over 35 years as Pastor Banks of Colorado Springs Fellowship Church has instilled this practice for 35 years, and the prison has sought to stop that and saying basically if you continue to practice your religious right, you will to solitary confinement, a threat that goes completely against the direct order of our Commander-in-Chief President Barack Obama, who visited the prisons and solitary confinement and said this is unacceptable and made changes. We're going to dig into that even more, the injustice behind the wall. There are perpetrators of justice who are responsible for not only the wrongful conviction, but what they suffer today as a result of their actions. Lisa, who are the perpetrators of justice?
4: They are U.S. Attorney John Walsh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer. Court Reporter Darlene Martinez. FBI Agent John Smith. FBI Agent Robert Mullen. Former Federal Agent John Epke. Former Federal Agent Gary Hilberry. Attorney Thomas Goodread. Attorney Clifford Barnard. Attorney Thomas Richard. Attorney Robert Berger. Attorney Mitchell Baker. Attorney Boston Stanton Jr. Attorney Rick Cornfeld, Attorney Mark Garrigos. Susan Holland of EPI Professional Services, and Samuel K. Thurman.
1: And thank you for that, Lisa. very special happy birthday to a couple of members of the AJC radio team. Kyle Walker of the production team. Happy birthday coming up this weekend. Also, Bianca Stevenson of the research team. Happy birthday. Until next time, America, good night.
3: Thank you.